money talks. Bill Handel doesn't notice a buck here or a buck there. Here comes the money. And nobody's got bigger weight. A Monday, July 2, big news going on today. Uh, the Canadian tariffs kick in, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at 9 o'clock. Uh, we have a new president, or they have a new president in Mexico, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Also big news, and uh, probably the biggest news, especially for here in, people here in Southern California, is LeBron James leaves the cabs uh, and uh, comes to Los Angeles. He is going to be a Laker. Guy Adami, Mula Monday. Oh, good morning, Guy. Are you a, are you a basketball fan, by the way? I was a basketball Well, yes, I'm a basketball Good morning, Bill. I'm a basketball fan, although my New York Knicks have not been relevant now in you know decade and a half at best, so it's hard for me to, to watch, you know, if you know what I'm saying. On the other hand, there were still uh, uh, Cubby fans out there. Right, with uh, how long before they got a World Series? Yeah, were, 103, 104 See, there years? Something, there, was, there was something lovable about the Cubs. I think the Cubs fan actually embraced losing. It was a badge of honor, right. whereas the Knicks fans, you know, we had some decent years in the 90s, and we're longing for those years. So I, I like what you're trying to do there, but I think the comparison fails on me. Fair enough. All right, LeBron James. $140 million uh, over, $154 million over four years, about $40 million a year, give or take. And uh, we talked to Petros earlier this morning about whether or not he is uh, worth it to the Lakers. And Petros said, absolutely, completely. Let's talk a bigger picture here. Bringing someone of LeBron James ilk, uh, does that, number one, have a real impact on the economy here in Southern California, and uh, to what extent? Well, let's back into it. It obviously had a huge impact to Cleveland. I think, you know, they estimated the drinking establishment, the restaurants numbers were up 13%. Employment was up some 25%. And let's face it, he made Cleveland cool. Now, I'm not going to try to disparage Cleveland, but... Sure you are. To LeBron, well, but, you know, prior to him getting there... You weren't going to Cleveland for a lot. And then all of a sudden, you know, Dan Gilbert goes there, Quicken Loans, they build casinos, employment is up, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, Cleveland became a destination. And so I think in terms of what he did there, he had a huge impact. Now, respectfully, L.A. has been cool for a long time. So will he, will he affect it on the margins? Maybe. But, you know, L.A. was cool before LeBron. It'll be cool after and I think he will have an effect, but not nearly to the extent that he had in Cleveland and Miami, for that matter. So when you talk about effect, other than, of course, the Lakers themselves and uh, season tickets and television rights and certainly tickets in general, which are going to go through the roof, how is he going to affect, to whatever extent, the rest of Southern California's economy? What, is, what does he do that makes him so valuable? But, Other know, than play basketball, of course. I think it's just for him. And he has his production company out there. I'm sure he's going to get involved in some businesses out there. But, you know, Southern California is Southern California with or without LeBron James. And I guess what I'm saying is Cleveland was, you know, Cleveland was struggling prior to him getting there. And he did so many things for that economy in terms of jobs, in terms of commerce, in terms of cool factor, and in terms of people wanting to move there. I'm not certain 
he'll have the same effect. With that said, what he will do for the Lakers is incredible. I mean, the Lakers are a team of stars, and now they got the biggest one on the planet, maybe the best basketball player of all time in L.A. So I think the fan base, which is ardent, will rally around this, and I think the Lakers, which have been a doormat now for the last few years, will be relevant again. They went from being a non-factor to win the championship to, I think, a 7-2 to favorite, if you think about that. Obviously, Golden State still the favorite, but the Lakers, I think, are now number two with the Celtics. Are you aware, and I wasn't, uh, that uh, James already has a couple of houses here in Southern California? Yeah, no, I knew that, and I think that was part of the lore. Again, he's got a production company. I think he wants to be a movie mogul at some point. So for a lot of reasons, it made a lot of sense for him to go out there. I think, to me, the only other two destinations for him, if he were to leave Cleveland, was going to be Houston um, for what they're doing down there, and maybe Philadelphia, who has the best young talent in the game. But I think L.A. just made a lot of sense, and you know, clearly they swooped in and paid him a ridiculous amount of money. But you know what's funny? It's not just him. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the NBA, teams in the NBA yesterday spent $1 billion with a B dollars on free agents. So you say what you want about the NFL. The most popular sport in the world is, is basketball. Well, you're seeing it with some of the dollars yeah, being paid. Not quite the same as soccer, but uh, still. Well, I, mean, it, it's, I mean, you know, I'd love a good football match like you do. I'm riveted to this. Who's playing right now? Mexico. Mexico and, and Brazil. Yeah, it's just forget about and it. And hopefully, oh, Brazil has to Can't win on that away. one. Oh, no, no, Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. Uh, yes. Okay, uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back, and I want to talk a little bit about um, NAFTA and what uh, the tax break has done to corporations, helped them enormously, and what they're doing with the extra money. That's all coming up. Mula Monday with Guy Adami. KFI AM 640, Jennifer Jones-Lee. Hey, Handel, there's a lot of people who are voting for Mexico, though, rooting for Mexico, because Bud Light is going to give free beer if Mexico breaks the curse curse of the fifth round. So if Mexico beats Brazil here, Bud Light gives away free beer. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, First of all, I'm not a beer drinker. Let's start with that. Second of all, uh, Brazil, please. Uh, Who you think I'm going to, you know, push and vote for? Oh, yes. Also, uh, compare a caipirinha to a beer someday. Just, just saying. Okay. Handle here on a Monday, July 2. Uh, we have a new president. Well, they have a new president in Mexico who is a socialist. LeBron James coming to uh, the Lakers. Uh, that's huge news. And uh, now I want to cover a little bit about the uh, tax break, uh, the corporate tax break that uh, Donald Trump put into place. Guy Adami is uh, with us, Moolah Monday. Guy, the economy is on fire. Unemployment is way down. Yet there's a lot of criticism as to corporation and what the corporations and what they've done with the money they have saved vis-a-vis the tax cut. Would you comment, please? Yeah, there's a lot of credit. Well, the economy's on fire. We can debate that. The economy is strong. I think it's on solid ground. But, I mean, the, what the companies have done with the tax break is pretty simple. Um, as much as we wanted to and hope they would reinvest, you know, hire people, raise wages, to a certain extent that's happened. But to a very large extent, what they've done with this money is buy back their own stock, which is great for shareholders and it's great for people that participate in the stock market. But quite frankly, it's really not what um, they wanted this money to be intended for. You can't force them 
to do things. You just hope that they would do theoretically the right thing and, and my, say that theoretically. And, and I agree, but uh, here is the other side of that coin, and that is let's assume that they took that money and instead of buying back the shares, uh, they invested it in new factories, they invested it in equipment and purchase, uh, and jobs would come uh, back. Well, uh, all the jobs are filled I mean, unemployment is at a record, unemployment is at a record low. So what do you do when sort of everybody's already working? So it's interesting you say that. And embedded in there is is a very interesting thought. A lot of people think that these tax breaks came at the exact wrong time in the cycle, the exact wrong time for all the reasons that you just laid out. So although it made great headlines and it's great politically and it plays to President Trump's base, you know, the lot, there are a lot of economists out there that said, listen, well-intended, but you just did it at the wrong time in the cycle. So what do you do? Maybe the tax breaks came. Um, maybe we shouldn't have looked at it through the political lens, and maybe we should have talked to some economists and say, hey, wait a second, is this going to make sense? Or given the fact that unemployment's at record levels and the economy's chugging along, are we doing this at the wrong time? It's a fascinating conversation, and you're now sort of mixing the world of politics with finance and economies. And like it's never happened before. But well, tax- it happens all the time. I'm, I'm not, this is not to cast aspersions at the president in any way, but you, know, it, you need to sort of think these things through a little bit better, I, I, I submit. Well, yeah, that's, uh, there's no accusation there about this president shooting from the hip, right, without thinking. And uh, here is uh, my question regarding tax breaks. Tax breaks have always been around. I mean, there's no question when you have uh, inner city areas that you want build up, uh, corporations coming in, huge tax breaks. When you want more manufacturing uh, or more purchases of manufactured good, tax breaks for equipment that you buy. Uh, Hiring people, tax breaks for new hiring programs. But is any of that necessary today? Well, you should incentivize companies to be in areas. For example, Detroit's a great example. And Cleveland, as we mentioned in a prior break, that is an interesting example. But should there be is a very Darwinistic point, And, you know, you're going to get into to, you're going to get into the, the whole supply side of things and other people that say, you know, wait a second, this is just, you know, allowed corporate Darwinism or, or Darwinism specifically to take over. I don't know the answer. I think companies should be incentivized. I think that if you do bring on people um, and hire people and, and grow out the area that you're in, you should be incentivized on the tax level. But quite frankly, I'm sort of on the free market front, and you, know, you let the chips fall where they mm-hmm. may. I, so that, that's me. And, and as you know, these tax breaks, as much as we'd love to say that they helped the individual, these tax breaks were geared towards corporations and small businesses specifically and you hope that it trickles down to the individual but as we've just said there's no real indication that that's happening all right one last one and that is uh, saudi arabia boosting oil production and at first uh, the president said it's going to be two million additional barrels a day which they held a lot of barrels uh and saudi arabia said uh well we never said it's going to be two million dollars uh, a quick one. Does the United States have uh, any real influence with Saudi Arabia, or is Saudi Arabia and its oil production simply a matter of maintaining the status quo? Too expensive, less money comes into the kingdom. 
too cheap, uh, the kingdom doesn't get enough money. It's a very fine line that they're drawing. I think we would love to think we have some influence and we have some power over them, and to a large extent, their security uh, maybe is predicated on the United States having their back. But with that said, uh, they, they've done what they've wanted to, they, they do what they want to do since the beginning of OPEC. And if the president were really to look at this, oil prices going higher is more a function of economies, not specifically globally, but ours, getting stronger. It's a supply-demand thing. So if I were the president, I would say higher oil prices are just a normal uh, function of our economy doing so well. So that's the way I would, but he's playing it the other way that OPEC is, yeah. uh, is you know, finagling with the prices. I'm not certain that's the case, but again, this all plays to a base that is steadfast in his camp. When is oil too, at what price is oil too expensive uh, and it's beyond the sweet spot? Well, if you remember, I know you do, we've seen oil spike up to $130 a barrel within the last decade or so, and that didn't seem to curtail commerce or stop the U.S. consumer. So I guess I would say we're maybe halfway there. But the world's changed a lot as well. I, I think, you know, if you and I are doing this 10 years from now, we'll talk from oil about it in the fossil fuel sense that it is. It's going to be a dinosaur at some point. So I don't think it's nearly as important as it was a decade ago. Right. I don't. To answer your question, we're not there yet in terms of is oil too expensive. All right, Guy, thank you much. All right, Bill. All right, you know, I was reading, uh, yesterday I was listening to a report that by 2023 or 2022, there will be 500 models of electric cars out there. Mercedes is coming in with, uh, by next year, with a half a dozen. And so uh, Tesla, which owned the market, uh, is no longer going to own the market. You're going to have Audi and Mercedes, uh, BMW, all coming out with a huge number of uh, electric cars. That's just in the luxury uh, the luxury area, right? All right. Uh, he's right. It's going to change dramatically.